Welcome, everybody, to the third episode of the Empire Excel podcast. Uh, right here, wherever you're listening to us, our list of places that you find us each and every week is expanding. Uh, tonight's topic is post-crisis sports, battling the new normal. What And what does that mean? And I am joined by my co-host, Josh Hauslander. Josh, how are you doing tonight? Great, man. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, well, uh, we're this is we're gonna we're gonna preface this with a caveat. We're recording this eight days before it goes live, due to some vacation plans of myself. Um, so if something happens, and you know, like we're we've given specific timelines for like the return of sports or something like that, and they change by the time this goes live, I'm not looking at it because I'm quite frankly gonna be gone. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> schedule this to go live. And I'm gonna walk away. Uh, if, and when that, uh, you know, <laughs> when the time is right for that, uh, and something's changed too bad, uh, listen to it with that in mind that recording this on the 1st of June, and this is not going to go live. I t- believe until the 8th or 9th, whatever that Tuesday is there. So the 9th, Tuesday the 9th. So, um, anyway, so to, after that little programming note there. Our our topic tonight is post-crisis sports. So what we're specifically talking about is what the sports world is going to look like post-coronavirus. Because obviously sports is going to come back. Eventually people are going to come out of their hidey holes. Um, there's too much money in it, too much money to potentially be made to, for, for it to just disappear forever. We, we all know that's not going to happen. And at this point, it's it's just settling union squabbles and making sure each locality is allowed to open up and you know each state in the united states is allowed to open up and start playing again and like in the nba and and mls it's you got canada involved so who knows what's going on there um but and the another subject right what's that yeah i I said i said mlb too didn't i oh yeah i'm sorry if i didn't well thank you for reminding me uh (laughs) The NFL is the only one specifically uh, that we'll discuss tonight that doesn't have a, let's call it, the Canada problem. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. Anyway, we um, – another subtopic that we'll, we're going to cover during this is as we're seeing, like, specifically the MLB Players Association and the owners are currently griping about – you know, if we come back and play X number of games, this will be the prorated pay. Major League Baseball. Let's actually start with this topic here. Sure. Major League Baseball and and the Players Association have acknowledged that they will have a season this year. It's going to be shortened. There's various proposals being tossed out in the public. The last one I think I saw was the players offered a 110-game schedule for a strict prorated pay. So whatever their per-game rate was for 162 games, they get it, you know, that per game for 110. The owners of National Salvo was a, an exactly a half season at 81. I think it was actually 82 games, even number. So half plus one um, for okay. effectively what amounts, because it's a, it's a sliding scale of pay cuts, the average MLB player would make 80% less. Uh, but at the same time, there's a phenomenon that you see in every time there's a labor versus management dispute in the professional sporting world the fans side with the owners. They take the side of the billionaire over the millionaire. They do. And quite frankly, if you're a critical thinker about sports at all, that's insane. Like, you know, 
specifically this example if you're josh i know you're uh you're in the the contracting world yes um if you showed up to a customer's house and all of a sudden they cut the workload in half that's understandable you you expect you know after you use some fixed cost variation and, and such and such you should be able to do the work for roughly half the job right or you know half the money in theory, yeah. In theory, roughly. I mean, you know, I mean, you've got some fixed costs associated that have to be covered, and it's less work to spread it out over, yada yada, et cetera, et cetera. But if they, if if you showed up to somebody's house, I know you're in roofing to do the roof, mm-hmm. and they said, "All right, well, we're actually only going to do the shed today, and that was half the job, but I want to pay you eighty percent less." What's your response going to be? Yeah, it's going to go to hell. Absolutely. Yeah. No. But, but here, here is where one thing where it does change a little bit. When that happens, I'm going to say, no, absolutely not. Go to hell in essence. But here's another part that does add into it. They're going to have the opportunity to say, okay, I'll find somebody who will. Yeah. Now, in my case, if you say – I offer a good price. Maybe I'm not the cheapest guy out there, but I'm, you know, I offer a fair price. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm skilled and have many, many years experience. So you can maybe find somebody cheaper, but you're not going to find somebody to do it for 20% of what I did. You can't even co- you in can. most businesses, you can't even cover material. In, in some businesses, especially on location stuff, you can't even get me out there for 20%. Exactly. Exactly. I won't even show so up. You, can, you know, I, I've actually had customers say this before when I, I know that they're they're bluffing in essence. I know they're not telling the truth. They say, oh, I can I got somebody who can do it for half that. And I know that that can't possibly be true. So I say, if that's the case, by all means, hire them. If somebody came in at half this price, then, you know, jump on that right now and, and do it. So – that's something that the pro players aren't doing because truth is, with their in their case, they will find somebody who will do it. But for now we're near as well because if they it, here's here's the thing that's different between the sports world and everyday life. The replacement level Joe is so much less talented than the the guys that they have. Because there's so much money involved, the amount of money spent on talent acquisition is such that if you can, if you are the elite of the elite of the elite in the sports world, they found you and they're paying you money already. Right. So the guys that are are just below that tier, there is a huge gap. You look at the you know the perfect example that you saw live in your face this year is the XFL. In reality, quarterback play is everything. In, the, in football, how many good NFL or, or supreme quality quarterbacks are they really ever in a given year? Probably 20. The NFL is a 30-team sure. league. You tried to start another 12-team league. You're, you don't have the, the, the t- level of talent. There's so few guys on the planet can, that can do that job well enough to call themselves NFL quarterbacks that – you know, that there isn't you're not just going to be able to go find somebody else and that's that's true with baseball too especially with how good you know the the revolution in pitching and stuff like that you're not going to be able to find guys that can hit major league level baseball just that aren't aren't scabs you're not going to be able to find scabs to do that sure and those guys are employed and are also involved in this labor strife or 
you know, they're not worth it. Sure. No, I, mean, you, I mean, your uh, your quarterback example, I think, is great because you're talking about the NFL is the premier league on planet Earth. Sure, there's other leagues out there, well, but you could, you could uh, the cream of the crop financially, believe it or not, internationally is probably you know Champions League level soccer, but the NFL ain't far behind. Um, but it is certainly the cream of the crop in the Americas. It is, but I'm just saying that specific job of quarterback in the NFL, pro, you know, top tier pro level quarterback. Guys, you can win a Super Bowl with is, is that? That's the twenty the twenty guy standard. There's there's like three that you can, they can essentially win a Super Bowl by themselves, and there's twenty that you can win a Super Bowl with, and then there's twelve duds that happen to hold you know just be you know placeholders keeping seats warm for the next guy that they're going to take a shot with. So even counting even counting the backups, you're talking about seventy five to one hundred and twenty five people on planet Earth that have that job, that are employed at, at that specific job. That that's incredible when you think about it. That 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 few people are employed in in that specific job, you know. Yeah, and and, and, 30, and here's 30, the, here's here's another 30, thing that ninety six dudes. Right. People, or, I'm sorry. No, it's only 30, right? 30 in the NFL? 32. 32. Okay, 32. So, yeah. Um, that's that's what I said originally. I don't know why I uh, backtracked on that. So, 96, right? You know, counting your third string. Yeah, well, 96. It, it, most teams don't even carry a third string quarterback anymore. Right. So, like, let, let's be real. Let's put the number closer to, like, 70. Sure. No, it's it's uh it's an incredible number when you think about it. I I like to use the NBA as an example with that too. That um, you know, you have uh, twelve guys on a team. Fifteen. You know, I mean, either way. Yeah, twelve twelve to fifteen, but only only twelve are actually on the team. Fifteen are um. There, you know, yes, there's fifteen given roster spots at any given time. Yeah. So that's that's uh, less than five hundred people on Earth that are employed as a. NBA basketball player, right? As a top tier level basketball player, it's incredible when you think about how many people play basketball. How and here's another thing that you know the the criticism to play basketball. The, the the criticism that let's call it the common man gives the players is you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a kids game. No, I'm getting paid millions of dollars to entertain you in a business that takes home billions of dollars a year in revenue where I am the only major cost. So as collectively bargained, so the MLB specifically doesn't have a set share. The players association does not in their collective bargaining agreement have a, this specific revenue stream must be split, you know, 50, 50 or 47, 53, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera, with the players between players and ownership. They're the only sport that doesn't have that. And the reason that they don't have that is they're also the only major pro sport in the United States or North America, let's call it, that doesn't have any sort of salary cap. Mm-hmm. So in exchange for the way the cap levels are set in like the NBA or the NFL is specific revenue streams are split 50-50. Those revenue streams are totaled up and whatever half of it is is what they have to be spent on players that season. Uh, you know, so divide that by thirty-two. That's your salary cap, roughly speaking. I'm, I, I know I'm 
under explaining this, but that's the general concept. Sure. Major League Baseball doesn't have that. Owners ownership specifically this year is crying poor that well if we're not allowed to have fans, which later in this episode I'll argue is not going to be the case for much longer. We can't afford to pay what we guaranteed you. They also have a national emergency clause in the collective bargaining agreement. The owners are in legally correct territory. They can void contracts because we're in a national, declared national emergency. But here's the funny part. I believe at last check before the coronavirus kicked off, we were technically in 30-something national emergencies at this time. So they could have... Sure. Not that it would have, you know... Oh, our fisheries are at risk. This is a national emergency. Has anything to do with Major League Baseball? But you get my point. You know, because and, this and has happened and the season is shortened, they're able to renegotiate contracts. So they're not legally dubious in doing this. But the idea that the the owners can cry poor and the fans still side with owners is is crazy to me. It is. It is. You know, there's. I feel like we we're striving so hard to compare this to our every own jobs. Day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and it works sometimes. It doesn't work sometimes. You know. I mean, I think you made excellent points trying to say, "Hey, Josh, you got a roof job. What's going on?" But at the same time, if that same customer said. Um, listen, that's just not how the world works anymore. That's not how it goes. I'm going to give you X amount. Yes, it's much, much less than we agreed to, but at the same time, you now have zero overhead, and you're still the highest paid roofer around. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like there's still somebody else getting what I used to get for you know for roofing and and now I have to take the pay cut so it's with these MLB players it's not like there's somebody else out there playing baseball making what they used to make no i mean there's the, still some, the highest i mean you can go play in korea, korea like the the kbo is resumed japan starts i think next week you can make a very very nice living playing professionally there they the average salaries there the, the minimum salary is pretty close to, you know, roughly equivalent to just over 100K. But the max salary is like $3 million. Like, and you have to be like a domestic star to get that. You have to be the guy that the MLB is already calling you. Oh, for, yeah. And, and, and your something. team, the way that the relationship between like the KBO and, and the Japanese professional league, I forget exactly what the, the acronym for it is. The way it works is like players, like the teams can sell players essentially for a finder's fee if the player wants to go. So like, for example, like you usually how it works is the posting system is the team, you know, the, the player can go be signed in by a team from the United States, but then the, on top of whatever they sign for the Japanese or Korean team gets a 20% finder's fee from the MLB team signing him. Okay. Like, so that, you know, that system exists, and, and that's a very similar system to the what you see in especially professional soccer on the transfer market. Like, teams buy players and buy and sell players all the time. It's way smaller teams essentially stay afloat. They don't have huge corporate sponsorships or very deep-pocketed owners. 
They develop players and sell them. And for uh, for a transfer fee, that's how the, the like the second tier teams, you know, they sell players to the top tier leagues, and that's how they that's how they stay alive. Um, so this this sort of system exists, but you don't see that in North America because there's also not relegation here. Because why would there be? That's a, that's a whole different st- show. <laughs> we could we could do that show, but that's a whole different one. Anyway, the it would be an interesting one too. Yeah, the. I, I, but my point is here, you know, I, I'm very pro player in this. The idea that there isn't enough revenue when people are stuck at home or afraid to go out and that well, there won't be enough eyeballs on televisions for live sports to make up the revenue gap for the people not being in seats. Like if people were going to go to games, they're going to tune in on TV. Sure, you won't make as money enough, you know, as as much money comparably – eyeball to eyeball but the idea that you, i need player the players already agreed to in baseball a 33 percent pay cut for the coronavirus back in march the owners then came back on top of that 33 wanted another half of what's left even though that the you know because they the crying poor but they're not willing to share the books with the players to justify that claim if I'm the players, quite frankly, it's fuck off. Show me your books, justify your claim, or we're not playing ball this year. And, and quite frankly, I wouldn't blame him at all. I'd be totally behind him. I would be totally pro player in that. And if they started a scab league, I would totally be pro the the you know average Joe Big Leaguer sitting out. I would I would not give him shit at all for that. Um, th- I guess this is my take, Dorf. I, you know, and this is, I don't know if it's pro pro owner. It might be considered pro owner, um, at least by you. Is, yeah, I mean the the players are never going to receive sympathy from the fans by saying we're not getting paid enough. Because yes, it's true they are all viewed as overpaid. They are, you know, every every member, maybe my of men's professional sports, is a member of the one percent in the United States. Right. Well, right. and and an annual from an annual income perspective, not a net wealth. And you can say that the fans are taking the owner's side, and there might be some truth to that, but. Uh, but another truth lying within there is that nobody likes the owners. <laughs> I mean, we we go against the players as fans, and I'm speaking for all fans here, not that I have any right to, but we go against the players because we love the players, right? You know, I mean, that's we, – we love that's them. That's what we're we there to see. Jerseys. Yeah, we, we buy their jerseys. We root for them. We – um. We buy posters of them and hang them up on our walls. Um, you know, our our kids, um, our kids buy their shoes. Even as adults, we have stuff in our man caves in our basements that um, memorialize players that did something fantastic. Nobody, um, you know, no matter how big of a Patriots fan you are, nobody has a, a Robert Kraft poster in their basement. I mean, that, that, that's not. Yeah, there is no, there is no shrine to Jerry Jones. I mean, he might no, have one that he not. made himself, but no one else I has mean, made one. Even here in Detroit, 
um, where where I am at and where you were originally from. You know, I mean, we loved Mike Illich, you know, owner of the, the Tigers and the Red Wings. He owned them both. But, no, it's we, – we have pictures of, of Miguel Cabrera and Steve Iserman, and <laughs> this is who we have up. We don't, we don't have things memorializing, you know, Mike Illich in, you know, in our homes. So, so that's that's where it varies. That that's I feel like that's something that's worth note is that nobody likes the owners. So when we hear that the players aren't taking enough, or that the oh well, you God knows the owners are going to make their money. Well, we all hate the owners. The owners are jerks. The owners are money grubbing losers. We can't stand them. We don't like them. But the players, we just we don't want. We can't feel sorry for them because yes, it's true they are getting paid to play a game at the end of the day. And, and that's what we, we just can't stand to, to wrap our heads around. And me as a fan, me as somebody who's watching it, I actually wouldn't care one bit. It wouldn't, it, for me, to some, some may disagree with me, but it wouldn't bother me one bit if a player politely said, listen, I'm only getting 20%. Uh, you know, of what I was making, or I'm only getting forty percent. Listen, listen, uh, you know the old SpongeBob meme. You know, that, all right, I'm gonna head out. You know, I'm just, I'm not interested. I'm already rich. You know, like it, for me, it wouldn't bother me if some player said, "Yeah, I've already done this. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna pay for that much. I, I'm, I'm worth more, but have fun with that." But they're kind of coming at it from this idea that, no, you have to pay me more and you're not allowed to pay somebody else instead of me. And I think that's where people have problems. You know, I, I don't think – I think there's more people out there who agree with me than, than some would realize that would – they would be okay with a player saying, oh, yeah, I, I'm not interested. I am too. I am too. Come, come talk to me when you're ready to play, to pay what what we both know I'm worth. What and, we both agreed to me being worth. And I'm totally okay with that. And, and like the players have come back and countered with, we'll take a straight prorated amount. And I bet you that, I bet you what they'll eventually settle on. Cause there's too much money being made by everybody that, yeah, it'll suck, especially for those guys at the bottom um, and just getting started in their careers. It's going to suck. Or the guys that, that have like one or two year careers and out, it'll suck for them. Yeah. Right. But there's still plenty of money. There's still lots of money to be made that it'll probably be straight prorated minus like 10% or something like that um, as a cost sharing method to get the game being played again. Um. As you're starting to see, hell, even your state uh, to, on the day here we're recording, you got uh, you got some freedom of movement back. Uh, congratulations, sir. Um, we did. Yeah, Herr Her Whitmer has uh, has given us um, our ability to um, we're we're allowed to get together with even a hundred people if we wanted to. So congratulations, you caught up to where we were four weeks ago here in yeah, the, the exactly. wonderful state of Indiana. Um, Hey, it's great for me, Dorf, especially from a sports perspective. My my family um, does a charity golf outing every single year mm -hmm. um, for uh, my uncle who who passed away. 
um, 12 years ago. We've done it every year. And with that order, as much as I can't stand the, the statism surrounding it all, and with, with that order, this means that our golf outing is back on 100%. 100%. So before we were just going to do it, and it was going to be probably just golf. You know, we were going to go, we were going to golf, and, um, you know, hot dogs at the turn, and that that's it. But now we're, 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 we're back in business. So this is great news today. Cool. Um, but with that in mind, open-air sports venues, which pretty much you can, you can play everywhere but, I believe, the Trop. If I'm Tropicana Field in Tampa, is the only one that doesn't have an open air option. I'm racking my brain now as I say that, and I'm sure I'm wrong. But every other one can be played with a roof off. You know, if it's a roof, a dome stadium or a roof stadium, that roof be retractable everywhere but the trop. Okay, even even the Sky Dome. Uh yes, the yeah, and at Rogers Center in Toronto has a retractable roof. Yep. Okay. Well, they leave it open most of the summer, believe it or not. So, do they? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, just, you know, they, they you know, it, it, except if it's, like, too hot or something like that. So, although I don't know about the new ballpark in, that the Rangers are playing at this year. They're opening a ballpark this year. Um, the old one was, but I knew they moved to another one specifically so they could get a roof of some sign because it was too hot for fans. Even though their old one is like twenty years old, and you never heard a fan complaining about that. <laughs> but that's lame. That's a whole different show. We can do the building uh, sports stadiums with public dollars show later. Anyway, <laughs> the I'd love to do that show actually. Yeah, we'll put it on the list. We, um, in open air scenarios, unless of course you're sharing like a snorkel with somebody or like licking their face if someone's not directly hacking a lung up on you your chances of getting coronavirus are like slim and none like in and out in an outside venue you just or are getting any sort of respiratory ill you know something that's contracted respiratorily is just like slim to none like you're it also, you know, as as this virus naturally progresses and gets less deadly over time, as we're seeing, like all viruses do. Right. The people aren't going to care anymore. If you let them go, they'll go, and they'll probably go to pre-coronavirus level numbers. Quite frankly, if you're in in my demographic. I'm more likely to die of a lightning strike this year than I am to die if I get coronavirus. Absolutely. Like it's, yeah, we're still concerned about the long-term ramifications, but quite frankly, I'm over it. I'm good. I'd be willing to go sit in a fully packed uh, football stadium right now. Me too. I would have been Me done. Too. I would have been willing to do it a month ago. When this first and, kicked and, off in early March, where. You know, you saw some of the leaked video coming out of China where people just drop it dead in the street. I was scared to hell. I had, I, I got myself enough emergency supplies here to uh, lock the doors and not come out for eight weeks. I was ready to do that. But the more and more we learn about this and the more and more time and more data we get on it, especially data that we can trust, you know, coming from the United States or Western Europe, eh, 
it's no big deal. Unless, of course, you were on death's door already or your immune system is fucked to begin with, which you got, you know, you're the type that gets a cold five or six times a year because your immune system is that weak. This is no big deal. And I and those people, quite frankly, don't go to these types of events anyway because of the, that known risk to them. Sure. I want to be able to, you know, I, I think it is a lot, not only logically sound, but consistent with not only individual freedom, but just known medical knowledge that football this fall specifically will be played as normal. I don't think there will be a change to the football schedule. You will see sold out stadiums, packed houses, tailgating the whole nine yards on college you're, campuses. You're referring to pro and football, right? Pro and college, Division One. Pro and college. Yep, they will play ball this year, un un unchanged. You, really, you think so with college even? Yep, I do. There's way too much money to be made. Don't be surprised if you don't see like Division Two and Division Three affected because. The money reward for the institutions isn't there. This is a cost to them. It's a it's a liability. It's not an asset. Mm-hmm. Division one football will be played this year. Don't be surprised if you don't see fifteen or twenty percent of Division three cancel this year because they're not willing to take on that liability. Even though there really isn't any liability. See, that's not. Um, and I'm not. I, I, everything I'm saying is is simply a guess right now. But I, you know, I have, uh, I have my uh, Michigan uh, football season tickets paid for already, and you know, I'm just I'm waiting every day to see if, you know, you get to keep them or not. uh, Yeah, yeah. If I'm gonna have them or if they're going to send me my money back, or I know they're not just gonna send me my money back. They're gonna wanna hold on to it for the following year. Yeah, they're gonna wanna do everything possible and and. If I'm not going to games, I, I want a damn refund. I'm not, you know, I really do. I'm, I know a lot of people that uh, have Michigan football season tickets are are rich, but but I'm not. If if I'm not going, I I need I want that money back. You know, um, I I want a refund. But um, it seems to me I, the consensus I'm getting from other season ticket holders is that we're thinking this isn't going to happen. But um, I I hope you're right. You know, I do. I hope you're right. And that uh, it does end up happening. Uh, let me let me run something by you, Dorf, and see if you feel the same way as a fan, or if you think my thinking is off or on. But there's a lot of talk of. Um, I believe Ohio State football has already come out and said that they are wanting to do 25% capacity. Well, it's not that they want to. Gene Smith, the athletic director really there, has said that. we are running plans if if we can only do 25, we've got a contingency plan ready. We've got a contingency plan if we can only do 50, 75, and 100% of okay. Ohio Stadium's capacity. We have a plan, you know, if we're, if we're required to screen people, we've got a plan to do that. If we're required to, you know, only sit people with – you know, within six feet of people that are like household groups where that, you know, and we can, you know, we, we, we have a way, we have the plans worked out to, for most possible restrictions in play, how we will have fans in the stands this year. They've got that ready to go. The, another, why I say that I think they will play at full capacity is you're not hearing the story about how, you got it at the grocery store. You're not seeing 
grocery employees or, you know, specifically grocery employees drop dead and on mass because this virus is just too damn deadly. And that's closed yeah. air. No, I mean, if, if what they said about this was, was true, then the, the heroes that are the essential workers and I'm doing be dropping like flies. Right. Yeah. I mean, we'd be losing them like crazy. We'd be planning so many funerals for essential. And this isn't to heroes. say that doctors, nurses, and other medical care people haven't died. They have, they absolutely have, but we haven't had a doctor shortage because 25% of them have dropped dead. No, not even close. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not having a medical crisis because they've all croaked. I've said from day one, and I know that this um, doesn't sound, you know, it, this sounds like somebody who's not, you know, sympathetic or doesn't have enough empathy, whatever, whichever one you prefer in this instance. But, um, you know, I mean, you've had nurses being laid off or, you know, throughout several areas in the country. Over, I forget what the exact number is, but there's been over a million healthcare workers laid off since this all started. I, I, I know a couple personally. I do too. Um, and one of them happens to be in the, in the family. Yeah. One of them, uh, well, yeah, I won't say anything. Uh, yeah, me too. Sort of. Um, but if this was truly a crisis, you know, where, you know, we're, tr you know, we were the, the true, the way I think of a crisis when somebody says we're in a crisis, if that was the case, we would be going to people who are in nursing school or people who are in medical school and say, oh, we would hey, be deputizing. We'd be like battlefield promoting. You exactly. actually saw this. You actually saw this in Italy. Right. Last year, people were in, who were in their last year of either medical school or nursing school in Italy got like battlefield promotions right. too. Like, I know right, you've got a year left, but you're going live good. now. Yeah. Yeah. Come on in. We need your help now. We're, we're, we're bringing you in. This is, you know, we, we, you know, we need people. We we both know you know what you're doing. Come on in. Yeah, but you don't. You may not know the most advanced stuff, but you'll like, be useful enough to us now. You didn't right, see that, that here. Are, you saw layoffs. Right, right. I mean, I have a, another family member of mine who's only 18 years old, who's barely started this, but he's a brilliant kid working on pre med right now. Um, I'm not saying he could go be a doctor or a surgeon, but you bet your ass he could <laughs> jump into a situation and be very helpful if he was needed. You know, I mean, but that that's not going on here. That that's it, we're not we weren't even close to that. Let's let's be real. And again, Dorf, I know a lot of people are going to hear this and be like, "Oh, Josh is just a jerk. He's a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist or something." And I'm not trying to be here. I really am not. But, you know, you said, hey, I'd be willing to, you know, go to a sporting event right now. Hey, I and, and, and here's my perfect example of that. I'm putting my money where my mouth is this week. I'm going to Vegas this weekend. Right. Good for you, man. No, I'm hopping I'm, on an airplane and I'm flying to Las Vegas. I'm going to be there for three and a half days. I'm proud of you. I wish I was going with you. Um, I... I would go to a sports event too right now as a Michigan season ticket holder, the biggest stadium and uh, you know biggest football stadium on planet Earth. 
I'd go there this weekend if uh, if it was necessary. And I also feel that a lot of the people that say they wouldn't wouldn't go anyway. I I think to be honest with you, man, I think they're full of crap. I think they're saying it because it's the cool thing to say. Well, it's a lot of it. You know, this sounds simplistic and reductive and and dismissive of legitimate criticisms, but a lot of it is I'm not going to do it because Orange Man bad. Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. No, no, there's that, and um, and you just don't want to, you just don't want to look insensitive. You don't want to hear all the Karens telling you that you're killing their grandmother by by going there. You know, you don't really believe that in your heart. You know, really, but or, you, or here's the, here's the thing: you have always been able to kill your grandma with a virus. You absolutely. always have. You always will. This isn't anything new. This isn't a new risk. This may be slightly more risky this year, but this has always been a risk. the The idea that there aren't a a calculable number of people that get a hug and a kiss from their grandkids at Thanksgiving and are dead by Christmas be directly because a virus has passed between the two people. That is a you are I, I'm sure if you cared to calculate that number, you could do that statistic every year and you'd be horrified about right. how many people die because, you know, grandma got a hug at Thanksgiving. And guess what? Your grandma still wants you to hug her. Yep. I know yeah. specifically my, my two surviving grandparents are both in their 80s, both in the risk categories um, of, you know, they've got uh, two or three core morbidities each. They're done with this. Mm-hmm. They're sick of hiding. Right. Yeah. I, I, too, have uh, only only two living grandparents, um, both grandmas in my case. And uh, what, what, uh, like you, one in the 80s, one in the 90s. And... Yeah, they're <laughs> they they don't care. <laughs> well, my, and, my, and quite my frankly, this would this would she wants somebody to come visit her. <laughs> if if my grandma gets this, she'll die from it. She's done. She's done hiding. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, my my grandmother is uh, in in her nineties in a nursing home, so you know she's been you know shut down, unable to uh, to see anyone. I'm not sure coronavirus could take her out or not. I'll be. Is she one of those old ladies that is going to live to like 105 just out of spite, just to spite somebody? Perhaps. Her, well, let's put it this way: her mom did. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, my. You know, I mean, I know this isn't. Uh, I don't mean to do radio for two here, but uh, I my. Uh, I I was engaged to be married, and my great grandma was still alive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> She was just, you know, and that was five years after she said, "I refuse to go to the doctor. I'm done with this." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if I go, I go. I'm not put. I'm not spending yeah, any that, more money on this vehicle she here. Said she, she told my grandfather when he was driving her to the doctor one day. She said, uh, "She said, hey, listen, Roy, um, this is the last time I'm going to the doctor, okay? Because uh, I said so." <laughs> I know my dad's father. He he ended up passing of a his second or third heart attack, I forget which, um, also in his late 70s, was a two-pack-a-day smoker, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. But he actually died from the, the last one like a week after. He finally succumbed to the issue like a week after. And the first thing after waking up from the, the life-saving operation is, God damn it, why'd you let them do this again? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, 
<laughs> I told you not to let them do this to me again. Well, we didn't get here fast enough, Dad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, I, I heard something on yeah, the, the news. To illustrate, I'm gonna, let me wrap this up here real quick. To illustrate our sure, point sure. here that we've made with these these anecdotal examples here, the boomers don't give a shit. They want to finish living, the, you know, continue to live their lives. Those are the people right. we're most concerned about. And, you know, quite frankly, it's the concern trolling by a bunch of fragile millennials and Gen Xers who are, you know, the, the, the hug box generation or the, the participation trophy generation. I, unfortunately, am a member of that group. Um, right. Although I never got a participation trophy and played shit tons of sports. Huh. Anyway, um, you're you're at the beginning of the group. So. I'm actually smack dab in the middle, believe it or not. Are you? Yeah. Are you? Anyway, no, I never got a participation trophy either. But I went to Catholic school. You're just lucky to not have a ruler over your over your knuckles. <laughs> anyway, the um the point we're trying to make here is the people that people are that the Karens are concerned about don't give a shit the ones that the karens largely speaking won't you know they may be sick for a couple of weeks and it's gonna suck but they ain't gonna die from it so why are we doing all this in the first place especially as the more as we know at, but scientists you know sciences and data is repeatedly demonstrated about respiratory viruses as they get more ubiquitous throughout the population the less deadly they get the less pot complicated they get right especially when it comes to fall sports, like we should be planning to go full steam ahead here. And I hope we do. I hope people aren't fucking cowards or I can understand scared of the liability. Cause the last thing you want to do is a vulnerable, you know, big time colleges have such deep pockets and, and pro sports have such deep pockets that they'll be fine. They're unsuable. Sure. But I, I hope that you don't see like a mid major, Division one school say, yeah, not worth liability. We don't want to risk somebody get infecting and dying and we get contributory negligence lawsuits slapped on us. And God knows that the way is going to help out. Yeah. Nobody you know. else is going to come to our rescue here. It isn't worth the financial risk this year. Sorry, boys. Your season's canceled. You know, Dorf, I'll, I'll be honest with you. That's the only reason, you know, I mean, as a, as a small business guy myself, that's the only reason I shut that we shut down that our business, you know, my, my family business in essence that we shut down during this. Cause it's, it's, we it's you and your dad, right? Willing to go, but, but we couldn't get covered by workman's comp. You know, we couldn't cover our own workers. And when we had to tell people like, listen, we want to just go to work. We want to go back to pounded nails here. Let's do this. But <laughs> We have some dangerous work here, and if one of us gets hurt, Workman's Comp's going to say, well, you weren't supposed to be working. We're not covering it. You know, so th that was the issue we had, and that's – I can I can feel – I feel the pain of those, you know, smaller programs who have to weigh that option to say <laughs> – Yes, we want the money, we want the revenue, but can we afford it if something goes wrong? Just saying that, you know, as a as a small business guy myself, and I don't know what exactly you missed, but as a small business guy myself, that was the decision we had to make, and that's why we ended up shutting down because we had guys who really just wanted to go to work and stay working, 
but we couldn't because we had issues with workman's comp and them saying, no, your workers aren't going to be covered if this if something happens because you're not supposed to be working right now. Your state's on, on a shutdown. They were going to use that to their advantage. So we had to say, well, you know, th this is a risk we can't afford to take, in essence. So I can see, I, I feel the pain of some of these smaller programs that want to say, well, we want to do it. We need the revenue. But if something bad happens, we can't afford that that we mistake. can't afford to defend our, defend ourselves in a lawsuit right right we can't we we want the benefits but you know the benefits are great even in a risk reward situation if you can handle the risk you know the, the, let's say the risk is terrible but you can handle it but if the risk is going to destroy you then you know i mean that's like uh you're one dollar away from, you know, making your rent that month, and you use that dollar to buy a lottery ticket. Normally, that dollar to buy the lottery ticket, well, who cares? Let's, you know. Um, but if it's the know, last dollar between you getting getting evicted, is it really worth it? Right, but now when, but this time now you don't win the lottery and you just got kicked out of your house. Well, <laughs> it was a terrible move. <laughs> what, what the hell were you thinking that you should not have done that? So I, I can kind of see that where you do get put in a situation where there isn't a good option. You know, I think a lot of times in, in life, I, I, you know, a bit of philosophy is that a lot of times people get accused of making the wrong decision in life, but people don't realize that the right decision wasn't in front of them. They, you know, they, they, they were given two decisions and they were both bad. And they, they, the, they, they, they happened to choose the more bad one at the time, you know, right, in hindsight. Right. They, they, yeah, they, they picked one that they thought was better, and it wasn't. It was worse. You know, I mean, and that's that, – that, that is is definitely an issue that with with this and this situation where, you know, you're right. The, the University of Michigan, um, Alabama, Ohio State, USC, Notre Dame. LSU, yeah. Like those yeah, guys they're, can they're afford not the risk. Yeah, they're Those not guys can afford the risk, but can Louisiana right. Tech or Eastern Michigan or you know Wyoming afford that risk? Probably right. Not. Yeah. University of Hawaii. No, I doubt it. I no, doubt. University it. of Hawaii bleeds cash on football every year because they part of being their conference membership is anybody that comes out to play them in Hawaii, they have to pay for the airfare. Right. Right. It's a disaster. Because and yeah, not to mention their stadium upkeep is ridiculous. Because somebody decided to make a steel stadium on an island that's right on the coast, and what a salt salty air due to steel. Oops. Right. <laughs> Annual yeah. maintenance for Aloha Stadium is ridiculous. But anyway, that's a once again another show. <laughs> I think that's an example of 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 another show that maybe we shouldn't have. Yeah, <laughs> we've given several examples tonight of of shows that uh, we definitely should do and we'd love to do. the uh, the The benefits of a La of a Loja Stadium um, is is a, is a different show that we hopefully never have. <laughs> so, <laughs> <no big favorites. laughs> question for you: the just to kind of put a bow on this topic and, and get it wrapped up for tonight. 
What's your prediction? On today, we're recording this on 6-1-2020, fall sports, that being football and the restart of both NHL hockey and NBA basketball. What will what will that season look like? Okay, here here's my predictions. I'm going to try to make this as quick as humanly possible. Um, hockey being the club sport that it is, I am certain is going to do everything they can to have some sort of season. They will bow to whatever societal <laughs> rules are put in place last minute, but I feel like they'll do something. Um, I hope you're right, and I hope I'm wrong. I don't think we're going to see college football this year, at least in the same way. And I can say as a fan, yes, I am willing to go to the big house and see Michigan play football tomorrow if necessary. But what I'm not willing to do is I have no desire to go there wearing a mask. I have no desire to go there if I have to have my temperature taken walking through the door. And also, furthermore, if I can't be there with 110,000 of my closest friends, I'm not interested. I don't want to be there 25% capacity, and someone else can have my ticket. And that's just me. They'll they'll find 25% of the people who are willing to go still, and that's great. Um, if if that is indeed the uh, what what they want to do, um, NBA I feel like is they're they're gonna they're gonna buckle. The NBA is absolutely gonna buckle. They're the trendiest sport in the. <laughs> in a trendy time and I don't I, I'm thinking that they're going to do whatever the most politically correct possible thing is to do um, NFL I tend to think you're right I think they're well, going to well, hang on before you move on to the NFL why do you think the NBA is different than hockey because NHL is a club because hockey is a club sport and I what think do you mean by club sport they are a very small level sport. They um, are they're a niche. They're a, a niche sport, if you will. Okay. I, you know, I, feel like, I, I thought you'd you'd be pretty familiar with that term to, to say that it's a club sport. Um, that it's you know a, a small. They're not not everyone's a hockey fan. Um, you know, there's, there's hockey, there's hockey, there's people who are truly hockey fanatics and, um, the, the gap between the hockey fanatics and people who don't care at all is to me is, is pretty wide where the other sports, they have their fanatics, the people that don't care at all. And then a whole wide range spectrum of people who care a little bit in between. Okay. Um, <laughs> Basketball, I think, is definitely a, an example of that. I know how I know NBA and NHL get compared a lot, but I do think there is a a big difference. And also, I mean, not to make it political, but NBA is kind of that um, you know the breeding ground for the social justice warrior uh, mindset, if you will. And the NHL is kind of that. I'm trying to avoid using the the terms conservative and liberal, and I'm I'm sorry, you know, and I'm baseball I'm is by the way the uh, ultimate conservative sport. There's a reason right. you don't see a lot of baseball players getting political, is because like you probably if you're you're even 
the milk toast fence sitting or like a, a center left normie you wouldn't like coming some of their thoughts specifically on taxation and that's an open yeah, you know, se- that's an open secret in baseball no i mean if you're if if you're a news guy in cnn yeah you you don't want to hear the opinion of your average baseball player um yeah i i definitely think you're right but i think the you know nhl's kind of that in your face kind of uh i mean, come on how, how can you be the nhl and say yeah we're skating around on razor sharp things uh checking each other into boards we're scared of the coronavirus and nba can sell that easily you know they're they they got touch fouls in the nba i mean that, that's become a real sissy sport let's let's be real you know um so the, them being scared of the coronavirus makes perfect sense um so i i guess that's uh that's you know that, that that's where where i'm at with the four sports anyway but i could be wrong these really are just guesses you know okay so i'm going to go through mine here and i think that'll put a bow on it almost in an the NBA, Josh, I echo your your prediction. The NBA will play, uh, but there's a chance it's highly empty arenas, even at the places that sell out every night. You look at specifically with the the NBA having like what three teams in California? California is four teams in California. Sorry, geez, um, the God, I, I forgot the Clippers. It's not even like, oh, you forgot the Sacramento Kings. No, I forgot the Clippers. <laughs> um, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> anyway, the uh, California is a legislative body, let's call it, is afraid of the dark. Afraid oh, of the yeah. boogeyman, of the corona boogeyman. They've already, their state universities have already said last month that there will be no in-person instruction in the fall. That is just like the most medically and like business illiterate decision that you can make that far in advance. You don't need to make that decision in April for some for September. That is just you, if you want to tell your your professors to prepare curriculum for full to, full online instruction, by all means, go nuts. But the idea sure. that in April we're going to announce no in person instruction this fall. Lol, okay. So, the NBA, unfortunately, I think will make a unilateral decision regardless of local ordinances and limit, severely limit ticket sales. Um, They'll limit the number of people in arenas and dictate how they're spread out. Like, maybe even to the point of removing seats, like physically taking them out. Um, Because they're wimps um the nhl i think due to the mirrored nature of share a lot of shared stadiums of the nba will unfortunately be have to follow suit i don't think they should i don't think that uh i don't think any sort of mandatory masking or social distancing thing will be necessary at that time but they'll do it because they're cowards the nfl as has essentially as a matter of policy has said nothing um, and is soldiering on and pretending like everything will be back to normal. They will do so unless of course forced by law. They will not require masks, but you're not, they're not going to prevent people from wearing them. 
not that you would prevent people from, well, you, the, the ironic part of mandatory masking laws in lots of places, there's mandatory. No, you're not allowed to conceal your identity in public. Right. Because anti-rioting laws. Um, so that's a, that's a fun contradiction. Can't wait for that to some stuff like, Oh, you weren't wearing a mask. You weren't, you know, overturned in court because, well, I couldn't, sir. I was afraid of being arrested under these anti-riot laws. Uh, did you know that um, in uh, by, by federal law, if you are a concealed weapons permit holder, you are not allowed to be wearing a mask? Is that if you have the permit or you're actively carrying? Actively carrying. Okay. Didn't know that. That's good to know as someone who's about to start doing that. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, tidbit. <laughs> right, it's it's something worth noting, but it's uh it's it's quite a catch twenty two right now. Anyway, so the uh, the NFL will go on life as we know it. College campuses will you know college football will be a state by state thing. Games will be played. Don't be surprised if some teams bow out. But your your Power Five conferences will play, with the exception of the teams located in California who have already said. They're probably not going to, which don't be surprised if they change their mind on that relatively soon. As sure. we saw, like in, in Los Angeles, like, oh, yeah, you're going to be locked down at the end of the July, as we saw last week. Uh, just kidding. And Michigan, where no determinate date on lockdown. Oh, we're going to skip from step phase two to phase four today. That happened today. Skip phase three entirely. Um, you know, that that sort of behavior, I think you're going to see. um that will go on, you know, that the NFL college football will be a state by state thing, whether there's people limitations or, or anything like that, or tailgating activities or something like that limited. Um, and we shouldn't underestimate government or corporations ability to be reactionary. Even, <laughs> even when it doesn't make sense not. to do so. I mean, I let, let's look at, uh, look at Michigan, for instance. I mean, it was what you want to protest. We're going to, we're going to make it longer because you're protesting. Oh, now the now the protests are different and they turn violent. We need to get these people back in the bars. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest. That, that that's very well what's what's going on right now. You know? Yeah, and I know here's a let's take a brief radio for two segment here, specifically Michigan. I as a 27 year resident of Michigan, and you yourself as a lifelong resident of the state correct Let, let's let's say that too so we don't have to say how old i am yeah <laughs> you're old anyway um <laughs> the best way the way you get reelected to state level office in michigan is to stay off the radar Gretchen right. whitmer is going to get not reelected for a second term as governor because she wouldn't let people buy seeds and get their fucking hair cut <laughs> not that she right. didn't deliver on her like one campaign promise of fix the damn roads because she wouldn't let people get their hair cut it's a it's it's good enough right wrong or otherwise that's gonna be she you know what she's gonna lose and lose fucking hard god i hope you're right <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. And, and I that's hope without are. even seeing who's going to challenge her in two years. Nobody's really affected that I've seen that started really trying to campaign for that. It's a little early for a governor's race, but hot damn, man. <laughs> right. Well, and let's be honest. She played a percentage. She's trying to be vice president. Yep. You know, I mean, that's what she did. And I don't think it's going to work for her, but 
That, that's what she was doing. Who are we kidding? Stacey Abrams is going to be the vice presidential nominee for Joe Biden. And who are we kidding? Oh, yeah. Brief side bet. If that, ha- I bet you that's happening in the next couple weeks. Who's uh who's the Biden's VP nominee? It's got to be a woman. Yeah. Um, Not who it should be, who it will be. Yeah, I mean, who it should be is Michelle Obama. That's the only way he wins. But um, who it should be, uh, yeah, I mean, could be Kamala Harris. Um, Kamala the cop? <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt I got to hope not because I loathe that woman. Um. Amy Klobuchar, I think, is maybe uh, she still. Didn't, yeah. She didn't prosecute the uh, cop that killed the guy. She had an opportunity to throw him behind bars yeah, in 2006 and right. didn't do it when she was a prosecutor. Yeah. Oops, her know, campaign's over. You know what? Odds on, though. Do you know who's going to be vice president? Dorf, Abrams, man. Do you know who's going to be vice president? Mike Pence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is. It's still, you know. <laughs> that is who's going to be president or vice president. Especially if there's um, any sort of economic recovery, you're right. I'm not sure that uh, they don't still find a way to take this from Joe Biden and, uh, you know, oh, run, the convention, run some convention yeah. shenanigans. And all of a sudden you hit uh, the um, Andrew Cuomo, Gavin Newsom ticket. Yes. The, this is what that that's kind of what I'm thinking, if, especially if they want to win this thing. But we'll, we'll see. We will see. All right. Well, my, my official pick is Stacey Abrams, because uh, even though that's essentially election suicide um anyway she'll then go around for the next four years saying she won and talking herself up as oh i should be governor i should be governor Eh, you lost and it really wasn't all that close right um like i said i you know it's it's michelle obama if they want to win but i don't think they want. i don't think she wants the job either why why would you want to be if michelle obama actually has political aspirations like if she actually wants to run for president one day, why would you want to be known as the loser who played second fiddle to Joe Biden? Because you're president for nine or ten years. You can't Joe be. Biden can, nope. You can be president. For, you can be president for ten years. You can't. If you t- if you assume the office of the presidency is a partial term, that counts as a full term. No, it doesn't. Your terms. Only do- no, it doesn't. Only if. Uh... Only if it's more than half, you can be president for up to sw- ten years. I swear it was okay. Well, I mean, you're you're more schooled in that than myself, but I I, I promise you, Dorf, I wouldn't argue with you on sports. This is uh, this is what I I'll got take my master's. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So I'll you take can, your word for it. You can you can be president for, uh, for instance, uh, Gerald Ford. Had he won the his election against um Jimmy Carter, he would have been term limited. He had served more than half. But LBJ he took over for Nixon so early in the term. Yes, correct. So had he won that, he would have served roughly about seven years, and he would have been term limited. He'd have been done. But LBJ could have ran again and could have served almost ten years, about nine and a half years as president. Had he decided to run again, but he stepped down and did not run. Okay, well I'll take your word for that and research it later. Um. Anyway, last last sport here, uh, baseball. Uh, to wrap this up here, um, baseball will play about a hundred game season. They will come to some agreement. My prediction is prorated pay minus ten percent, um, flat deduction off of everybody's salary, um, no, you know, arcing curve where it affects the higher paid players more than the lower paid players. That's just a way for the owners to cheap out. Um, sure. 
too much money to be lost by not playing too much money to be made by players to not play. They'll come to some sort of agreement probably before this airs, uh, where they July, like July 1st restart or July 4th, you know, weekend restart somewhere in there, uh, where they'll start playing live games again. I bet you they get into a spring training setting in the next two weeks. But if that doesn't happen, uh, start knocking, you know, for every, every week they wait, start knocking off, you know, seven to 10 games every week, but they'll play, at least a 82 game season by the time this is all said and done. And you think there's going to be something in other sports too, where in any of the sports where they're going to only be playing all the games in a couple of States or something like that. Uh, the, for the, it's like hockey and, and basketball who are going to pick up and finish their seasons for the, for the finishing of the seasons. Yes. That makes the logistics easier. You can play more games in a faster pace. Sure. Um, plus empty arenas but for the restart of next season that's specifically what i'm speaking to in my predictions here okay, they will okay. play in home they will play a traditional schedule in home stadiums cool all right i hope so and if like heaven forbid the state of california says no pro sports not that they would i mean they've already i mean look they've some places have deemed pro athletes as essential workers um right. whatever that means they exactly. If like the state of California says you can't, you're not allowed to play poor sports here, those guys will um, will spend the whole year on the road, and they'll modify the schedule, but everybody else will get to play in their home venues. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Um, All right. Anything else, man? Yeah, I just want to say one more thing, Dorf. Um, you know, I know that this is just the beginning of our, you know, our new show here. You know, this is only episode three of our new show. Um, but I know a lot of people listening, at least I hope, you know, have have found us because of our, you know, this this is a new show, but this is not new. Podcasting is not new to either one of us. We're, no, we're I, quite frankly, that. between the two of us. I'll just spitball it for you. I don't have the exact count. How many podcasts of usually about an over an hour or greater have you appeared on in your life? Um. Well, let's see. Uh, I mean, what's fifty-two times ten? Um, over five. Uh, let's just call it with missing some weeks. Five hundred. Let's because it's five twenty. But um, around a thousand. Around a thousand. I'm probably not far behind you. I know you've got a couple years on me here, uh, but at one point we were doing four shows a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm probably in the 750 to 1,000 range without looking into an archive of somebody else yeah, we used to I mean, podcast I, with. I think um, I think to say 1,000 is a is is a safe but but low estimate for me, you know. Um <laughs> You know, and uh, video, audio, all that stuff. But what's strange enough is, you know, you and I met at uh, doing work for the EmpireMedia.com, and I didn't think I would ever do a sports podcast again. You used to do one. You did 250 yes. episodes specifically of a sports-centric podcast. I did. And what's so ironic about this is here I am doing a sports podcast with the guy who when that I they took my job after I was fired? <laughs> you didn't get fired. You got re, re, re 
allocated. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, perhaps. But I kind of got canned from the majors live at the Empire Media and... It is it is my co-host here, Dorf, who took my spot. <laughs> yeah, and, and ironically, so to speak where we first met, it was I was invited on to your show because I had just started writing for the website then to yeah. okay. defend an article I wrote saying that steroids were the best thing that ever happened to Major League Baseball. <laughs> I still do believe that, but wow. I mean, that was probably eight or nine years ago at this point and yeah so. here we are 2020 doing our doing our own thing here so absolutely so glad glad to be on board here and uh it's uh cool you know i i'm i'm reviewing my you know at the time when i said a thousand i thought that was uh i i didn't want to go over but yeah that's um that's probably low honestly dude. yeah with I, the amount of guest appearances you've made and other shows you've had with limited runs yeah, I bet you. I bet you it's it's probably twelve fifty three thirteen hundred somewhere in there. All right. Well, we looks like we just lost Josh, so I think that's just going to wrap it up here um, for the latest installment of the Empire and XL podcast. We will be back next Tuesday. Anywhere you found us this time, you'll find us there again. So for Josh, who I just lost the connection with, I am Dorf. We'll hear you talk to you all later. Bye.